Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show where we find out what's been said about Leeds United, both by our fans and by the opposition fans. We'll also find out what's been going on in the wider world of propaganda. Show's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% discount can be yours on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Usual three with you. Dan here, Michael and Moscow White as well, returning to the fold. After, you, after his crippling sniffle. Yes, <laughs> exactly what it was. Right. Still a bit, still yeah. a bit. I won't make any we're not gonna get throat a, noises. We're not going to get a Bamford, are you, where you you start now and then in a few minutes you're going to have to pull up and leave. Yeah. And with Four stages, four movements will just tear my feet apart and then I'll be in tears. Who's going to hug me? It's a show of two halves, is this one. Um, we get our feedback from our TSB Plus members about the match ball, what they picked out from the game itself and from the match ball. Um, one of the main criticisms, actually, was that we were a little bit too pessimistic on the match ball. So... As a consequence of receiving this feedback, I went back and watched the most of the game yesterday. I watched the entirety of the second half, and I don't know what we were worried about. There was shite, so I apologise if we were a bit pessimistic. I don't think we were pessimistic. I don't think that's the right word. I think I'm really, really jaded from this season. I'm just exhausted from it. And I think, because it felt like everything was on the line for us to win, just felt like a huge relief. I'm, I don't feel capable of feeling joy anymore. <laughs> yeah, on reflection, I... I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like, well, I'm just happy to have won. And that's enough because I'm really just about getting to the end of this season as it stands. So, yeah, I, I know a man in the feedback actually said, just, bloody hell, lads, cheer up, you miserable twats. I can say for approximately 2,000 that it was a great day out. And I think that that is the thing, that if you were there, you're picking up on the energy of mm. of the enjoyment of it. Whereas, And you get the adrenaline of the goals, of course, as well. Whereas we were sat in here, well, you were sat on the toilet or something for half the second half. Yeah. And we were just, it was a nervous atmosphere, which I think probably didn't help. And it went, I think it meant when we finished, we rolled straight into kind of continuing that, yeah. that nervousness in a way that was, um, okay, maybe not justified, well, given, so how, you, given how shit Watford it, were. It's hard to make relief look exciting, isn't it? Mm. And that's, I think that's all I felt. So, you I mean, you weren't here for the, for the match ball, Moscow. What did you make of it all? Do you agree that, um, not necessarily that it was too pessimistic, but the general sort of shape of the game, we were miles better than them, weren't we? Not miles better, but, we won 3-0 and I was delighted and, you know, two really good goals, one that was really funny, Watford had a couple of chances but they weren't massively bothering us and we scored at the right times halfway through the first half, a little bit too long in the second half but once the second goal was in, you could see in Jackie Harrison's goal for number three how much better everybody felt because, you know, he probably misses that if it's 1-0 or 2-0 and then, yeah, and then I, I did put on the match ball and wondered if you'd all been watching like a puppy farming documentary for the previous hour and a half or something because I was it, you know the biggest win of the season in probably the most important match and yeah it was ugly but there's been a lot of discussion since and probably on from what I watched of the match ball as well of like kind of the Bielsa style and the Marsh style and stuff like that but I, I was thinking about the um, Barnsley game in the promotion season everybody it gets forgotten a bit because we you know the mural on the side of the Duck and Drake Presents birthday boy Pablo Hernandez looking beautiful at Swansea, but Barnsley happened after that, and God, it was you know yeah. awful. And there's that thing of uh, the worst game in any tournament is usually the final because everybody's so tense, they can't play, they can't relax. And this game was as close to a cup final as we had in this kind of run. In the pressure was on with both Burnley and Everton winning in the uh, lead up to it. We had to win, and everything else that it took to get us to that point 
it was kind of a day not to worry about it. it yeah. was just enjoy the the three goal three goals. I know, wild, three wild isn't. We conceded any either, did we? Not one. No, no, and we hadn't done that since crew. Yeah, and, and which what, was was that August? Yeah, I looked it up before. We drew nil with Brighton, didn't we? No, but we didn't. Yes, but we did yeah. not win three. We did three. Nil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Three. I you meant clean sheets. We scored three. It was. It was. They um, scored none. <laughs> like it's just, and it, as well, you know, there was so much during the Newcastle game. Everton games were saying, "Look, forget Bielsa. Let's just get wins and stay in the division." Mm. That's what's happening now. So no. you can't. It's kind of what we wanted, wasn't it? it? It's what we're asking for. We, we actually acknowledged this on the match, but it's like we, we wanted a more pragmatic style of football to deal with these more challenging games rather than maybe sticking to this purist ideal. And, and there it is. And, and then, like, yeah. oh no, it's not very good <laughs> no, though, is it? I, I just think it, it's hard It's hard to appreciate and it's hard to love a team giving away possession so often. However, having watched it back, I understand why we approach the games like we did and I, and I understand why people at times were just booting it away from our defence because mm. they say it's not pretty, but it, it works, it's effective and you're giving it to a team who on reflection, were terrible. They really were bad. Watching it back, I was like, yeah, yeah, we are head and shoulders better than this team. But you don't know that at the start of the game, do you? But I think the other thing is when there's three of us in the room, we're kind of feeding off each other's kind of nerves. Mm. So when you're in an away end, as you were saying there, like and getting the feedback from people and seeing it on like Wacko and stuff, like people had a great time. And I've watched the away end as part of the watching the game again yesterday. Mm. It looked brilliant and I would have enjoyed being there. And when you're there, like you say, you feed off it and you've got no choice but to watch the game and and just absorb the ebb and the flow of it. Whereas I think... It's a different experience watching it on the telly. Yeah, it is. I think if we'd have if we'd have gone straight out of Ellen Road from that exact same game, we'd have been, it, the atmosphere would have been quite different. It was, um, yeah, it was an odd kind of relief. The Barnsley game is probably a fair comparison yeah. for it because it was just like, even though it was comfortable, it didn't feel comfortable for quite a lot of the game. It felt like we were things we weren't hanging on because because they were so terrible. There was basically the Sar chance, wasn't there? When he got he got through, and truthfully, it was absolutely nowhere near. Like it was yeah. a, it was a it was an awful shot from an awful team. And their biggest chance on the XG ratings is the corner right at the start of the first half where Melier mm. basically punches it off his head at the front post. You know, we kept giving them free kicks in stupid places and you could imagine Bob trying to, like, revive his Twitter account to have a go at all of them and not just click for giving daft free kicks away, but there was never really a, a risk from it. And it was we, Mind you, that Kuchko one, um, where they came really close, mm. wasn't even free kick, so do we just blame the ref rather than... Um, yeah, and you're going to get all those in, you know, teams, even if they are terrible as Watford are, will have chances and, you know, like Norwich can be Burnley, things can happen. But there was, we got the first goal at the right time because we'd started well and then the second 10 minutes of the game was letting Watford do too much, but then Rafinha scoring. Once we were ahead, I wasn't really worried about anything. Mm. Tom Tom on the feedback saying it's, it was nice to watch the last 15 to 20 minutes of a Leeds game knowing that we'd won. First time in a long yeah. time that's happened. And I mean, it, that's, that's, that's a relief from my point of view, yeah. And you yeah. can probably see the difference as well. I mean, Roy Hodgson put it really well in his post-match press conference where he said, I can't train confidence into the players. Mm. Only winning will make you confident. And if you compare Greenwood's pass to Rodrigo that Rodrigo ended up scoring from, and he did a few of those, and it's kind of the thing that Greenwood did really well that Marsh is saying that he's kind of, he's adapted and he's learned all the ideas, is whenever Greenwood got the ball, he just banged it through the middle and didn't worry about whether it was a pinpoint pass or not. It's just like, right, Rodrigo, go and chase that. But then when it was the pass to Harrison, perfectly played out wide to his feet. And then Harrison, again, you know, how many times do we see him just he'll lay it off or he'll, you know, he'll put a cross in and he'll go, oh, that didn't really work out. But 2-0 up, last five minutes, Watford are awful. We're winning the game, whatever happens, no pressure. And you couldn't hit that ball any sweeter. It's a beautiful goal. Just struck so nice. The fact that not even top corner, but just low corner I think the off fact, the ground. Yeah, the camera was behind it as well. We enjoyed that, didn't mm. we? That aspect of the camera being behind it. I really enjoyed the comment that um, Andre from Sydney says here in the feedback. says, can't believe the misery associated with the 3-0 win. All we've been asking for all season is a comfortable win. Watford almost never looked like scoring. And when they looked like scoring, they looked even less like scoring. I miss Bielsa too. And all that would prefer he was still here. But a win's a win in a crucial game. Take it. I think that, that was never in doubt at all and at no point did I feel miserable I just feel really really tired <laughs> yeah I mean we did give the ball away a lot it was the it was the lowest pass completion of the whole season mm. which against a, you would normally associate with being pressed that you would lose the ball whereas Watford weren't particularly good at that so it, it felt like it felt like we handed possession back when we didn't need to an awful lot but then equally you look at the midfield and we've still got Cock in there who is who is not a midfielder and I would suspect that at the start of next season we'll probably see 
Click replaced as well. He'll be, he'll probably be on the bench. It'll end up being Phillips and a new signing in there. Yeah. So the shape of the of the game and the outballs that the defence have will be completely different in future. And mm. it was good enough, wasn't it? There was yeah. another stat. Sorry, I was just going to say there was another stat just while it's front of mind. And it was something along the lines of that was the Premier League game, the highest number of individual actions. I think it was something like that all season in any game. In other words, both sides kept giving the ball away. So mm. the other side kept running with it and then giving it away. So it was just it was just the nature of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, and Dan James is good for the pressing part of it, but as a target, he's not great. So who we are playing the balls forward to, as far as an influence as well, it tends to just kind of keep coming back. But that's a, we're not playing well. You know, we shouldn't kid ourselves that Leeds United are in great form and, you know, oozing with confidence. The games since Marsh has come in have kind of been, well, we know exactly what's happening. It's the late wins and digging them out. And it's been all about character, but they're not playing. Hodgson's words really seem very sensible. They're not playing with like, they've not suddenly been instilled with this great amount of confidence, which means we are knocking teams over on this great stride um, up the table to towards safety. We're playing like a team that is at the bottom of the table because we are. And that's the thing about the game on Saturday was it's 16th against 19th. Everton had just won minutes before. The loser has real terminal problems for the rest of the campaign. So win at all costs. And you could tell, you could tell, you can see that in the way that the, the players are playing, but they are doing what they have to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's Bielsa's football was almost the style of the football. What he was trying to achieve was almost like an emotional crutch for us, wasn't it? So even when it went wrong, you knew there was kind of a lofty aim behind it and mm. it would still look pretty even if it failed badly. Whereas this is far more effective and is getting us the results that we need. And I think we have to separate out the results from the performances. Well, there is an argument as well. I mean, if you did want to do the Bielsa thought experiment, and it's kind of, it's a bit of a defence mode because, you know, we can't bring him back, but there is starting to, you could hear it on the um, the commentary on one of the feeds and then in some of the newspaper coverage since of like Leeds United justified, you know, this vindicates sacking Bielsa. The first thing I said after he was sacked when he came in was, I think it's a bad decision, but it'll probably work. We'll be fine. We'll stay up and Marsh will do what we need to do and we'll progress next season into mid-table. And that's sort of coming to pass. The thought experiment would be how much of this is down to the players. And I think a lot of it, because the relentlessness of those last weeks of Bielsa when there was no time from losing to Scum, then Liverpool, then Spurs, and it would all become kind of like a runaway train. And Bielsa was saying he couldn't essentially believe that the players were still putting in all the effort that they were and could understand that with that effort not getting results, that of course they're going to be getting upset. And then he said as well about how um, it's really easy to stop playing one way, but it takes time and effort to, to put in a new style of play. Time that he just did not have because the games just kept coming and we just kept losing, losing, losing. But that break after he was sacked, after the Spurs game, so with him going, I think the players have taken the decision with that little bit of an opportunity to take a deep breath and say, right, new manager, let's all get behind this and let's sort this out and we stay up this season and we play better and we win games and we get through. And that's working out. I trust the players to an extent that had they not sacked Bielsa at that point, I think the same conversation could have gone Wesley. Right, we're all feeling this. We're all angry about where we are at. But deep breath, take a break. Let's get behind what Bielsa wants us to do. Start playing better and get ourselves out of it. It's more of a defensive, the the kind of the judgments that are now being made. Oh, like, Bielsa was taking this lot down. Marsh has saved them. And I remember having this conversation, I think it was after maybe the Everton game when you drove me home saying, I don't think we'll get relegated because I think the players have too much personal pride and too much investment in what they've done to get them to this point to allow that to happen. So the reason we are doing better is because the players are doing a better job of doing what they're being asked to do. And kind of what they're being asked to do is a secondary thing because they could have done better at what else was asking them to do and the results could have improved. Instead, they're just in a situation where they're doing better at what Marsh is asking them to do and results are improving. So... Mm. I was going to say that's the caveat there, isn't it? It's it's unprovable either way. And Mm. and that's why... But it's 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 a defence against the coverage which is saying, well, this proves that Bielsa was taking them down and Marsh is the right person to come in and save the day. Because we've had the series of good results, the conversation that naturally flows from it is that was the right thing to do. Therefore, the conclusion from that is that was the wrong thing that he was doing. And it's not that. We'll never know. The right right person is Liam Cooper coming Mm. back in last two games and being brilliant. And immediately we go from conceding, you know, three against Aston Villa to one against Southampton, a clean sheet at Watford. Mm-hmm. I also three think, against, how many do we concede the Wolves? Two. Yeah, I do think it's important as well, though, because that's 
been a little bit unfair to Marsh, perhaps. People would accuse us of being unfair to Marsh, and I don't want that to be the case because I think he's come in and if it's the arm round, it's more carrot, less stick, I think he's doing a really, really good job on that front. And it does seem to have worked for yeah, yeah, yeah. Rafinha and Rodrigo. There was obviously some sort of, Rafinha in particular, but obviously had had some sort of disagreement with Bielsa because he'd been subbed off and then he was, in, he was benched and there was, yeah. he was just his general demeanour was... Bordering on downing tools, it almost looked like sometimes, didn't it? Yeah, it seemed like there was a, a, a kind of a movement online for people saying, well, if he doesn't want to be here, just get rid. Whereas I was more, more of the opinion of like, well he's probably the person most likely to win us some points. So we just need to get him right. It's the old, um, not saying he's, he's the, even vaguely the same personality, but like Warlock had to do with Terrapt. Just keep him on side because he's the best player and he, we need points. And so and then he'll bugger off in the summer. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be stuck with Warnock slash Marsh. I think that, that's another um, sort of defensive thing as well, that because of Marsh's style, it's so publicly, you know, touchy-feely, leadership councils, live, laugh, love, arm around everybody. He is seen now, he is the good man manager and Bielsa was distant, horrible, just hissed at them when they came into training. But if Marcelo Bielsa was as bad a man manager as he's now being presented in some quarters, then that first match against Stoke in 2018, we would have lost 5 now Because the, the sacrifices the players had to make for three and a half, four, for four years, and it goes down to the, the last things he was saying, where he's saying he can't get inside the players' heads, but the physical outputs, the only thing he can measure are all amazing and they were still running and the sacrifices the players had to make and the investment they had to put into what he wanted to do not just in football but in their lives going from just training being something you do in the morning to training being something that you do morning afternoon and night like while being starved yeah all the things they had to do and he in his very first press conference he was saying that um he was asked about the language barrier, much as Jesse Marsh is having to talk about the language barriers and how do you communicate with I players? I hope Marsh can overcome it one day. <laughs> no, how do you uh, <laughs> communicate with the players when you don't speak the same language? You're saying, well, you've, it's really important that you've got to activate the emotions to get players to play for you and you don't need to speak the same language. He said there are other ways you can do it. And we saw for four years exactly how you can be separate from the players and get them playing for you. Bamford talking at the weekend about how he went round Bielsa's house to say goodbye because... He felt so bad about him leaving. We don't need to go retrospectively through Bielsa's time and say he was terrible to all the players. There's probably some players now, Rodrigo and Rafinha seem like they're much happier with it. There will be some players in the squad now because there's 25 of them. You can't please everybody going, this fucking yank, yapping on all the time. Well, I wish you fed up of his arm on my shoulder. I wish you'd shut up. I won't be back. There'll be a few of them, but then there'll be other ones who are absolutely loving the change and it all feels much better and they can chat with him all the time and they all call him Jesse as a mate. So <laughs> so you will never get that that change, but it, it seems to be working for Rafinha and Rodrigo. Who knows who the, whether there'll be some grumpy sods in the background to, and just a, piss just, me off. Just a change as well. It doesn't, if, it, if we have Marsh for a few years, the next person comes in might have a man management style more like Bielsa's mm. and maybe that'll work for a while. It, it, you look at yeah. look at the Premier League, people don't stay in jobs for, for three years, do they? Generally speaking, most people, there's a churn around that mark or, well, often a lot sooner. So I think I think Marsh has had, mm. um, he's obviously had a good start and he needs some credit for it. Yeah, I think, I think he needs he's, plenty of credit for it. Because he's, yeah. we've won games, haven't we? And yeah. I think, and I think the, because I mean, there's some, a few criticisms on the, the, the feedback of uh, Sai, who was the old, um, the Bielsa fanatic last week, he's kind of going on the same route saying it's it's kind of kick and rush, it's all mayhem. And it, it kind of is, but I don't equally think the way we're playing at the moment is how Marsh actually wants us to play. No. It's falling somewhere in between what was happening under Bielsa and the early stages of, of the way he wants to play. Because I've watched enough videos of him talking about it. that This doesn't seem to translate what we're seeing on the pitch. Certain aspects do. And he's fixed the man marking thing, and he seems to have fixed set pieces, which you know is setting us up to now concede from one. But we do undoubtedly look a lot, lot better on those things. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like, in an attacking sense, it's quite worked yet. And but equally, we've not had a striker yeah. to yeah. play in this system yet, and and no, and no midfielders often, not mm-hmm. one. <laughs> the ideas are there, and you can see from watching his old Salzburg team, and from when he was assistant to Rangnick at Leipzig and from how Southampton play, which is basically, it's all the same ideas. So you can see from Southampton, probably in the Premier League, or probably the nearest example of what we're aiming for, where it will improve is form, better players, confidence, and practice. So that's what will will change things next season. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think he's keeping in reserve some kind of great 
tactical, you know, reverse card is, aha, you thought I was going to play like this, but actually it's going to be like this. This is pretty much the kind of the setup of the, the kind of football we're going to be aiming towards. Me, it's not for me, Clive, it's kind of my feeling about it, but also there's a time and place to kind of pick those conversations. The Southampton game was interesting because they play so like a future memory image of what we're going to be doing. And so it was interesting to say, well, this is two Red Bull teams doing their thing. Watford, it was just going to be a scrap. And I, I don't think Bielsa's team's in his pompers. And that's why the Barnsley game is a good example because 2020 lockdown era leads was us often at our best. And that, that was an awful performance against Barnsley. And I think if Bielsa had been here and we talked about all this beautiful football and all the great uh, the, um, the elements and the, the aims and the desires of attacking at all times, it would have been the same awful suffering garbage so it's almost um irrelevant in those things but it, it should be we should get better at doing it but i think the style of play is certainly it's it's absolutely clear from what marsh talks about and the way his teams have played before that we are trying to do and that greenwood him getting the praise was justified because he came on he played really well but he wasn't doing anything particularly complicated those weren't like pablo hernandez precise through balls the pass that resulted in the second goal for Rodrigo. It was an awful ball. He's yeah. put it through and the, the defenders have got there miles ahead of um, Rodrigo. But because we are following up with Rodrigo, isn't giving up on that. He's not doing a Cristiano Ronaldo of saying, well, that, that ball was not perfectly to my toe, so I'm going to go and smash a child's phone. It's, well, that ball is not perfectly on my toe, so I will follow it and I will chase it and I will force him into making a mistake. And because these defenders, they're Watford players, they're rubbish, there's a high chance that they will make a mistake. So it's, it's following all those things through, but it is very, um, the style of it, I don't think he's going to appeal to me in the future, but... It's a results business, isn't it? He is, and he's here, and I said, I think I said this as soon as he, he was in as well, it's like, the standards changed now, you want the result, and Southampton was disappointing because we didn't win, you know, it was a chance to see him against uh, a team that plays very much like him, and we drew, and that put the more pressure onto the Watford game, which probably made the Watford game a worse performance, but a much better result, but... Yeah, I don't, I'm not really looking for... If I want to see exciting football, I'll be watching Man City against Liverpool or whoever Bielsa manages next. I won't, it's not what I'll be going to Leeds for. But, I think it, so I think fine. It, I think it will get better, the yeah. football. Yes, like, it will. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is what we, we're going to... I don't think we're going to have a full, full season of this We'll have better year. players doing it and they will do it better. Yeah. And more confident players doing it. And so that's have, why Jackie Harrison scoring the third goal is the big thing. He would have missed that in the first half. He'll score it in the second half because we're 2-0 up. If we start next season and we start winning games and we get momentum, we score more goals, we play better. It's it's the big thing that will change is we'll just get better at doing it. As a principle, it's not gonna we're not suddenly gonna start, you know, breaking out the triangles. I, I, I don't I think you I don't know, I think you might be being slightly unfair because I think we have seen some nice passing movements like in recent weeks. On occasion it's I mean the then the, the punts forwards start as a probably as a safety mechanism, you know. Against Southampton, I thought we played some really neat stuff. Like, albeit in central areas, I thought we played some really neat stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, those little interchanges between Rafinha and Rodrigo are really nice. And his Salzburg teams weren't bad to watch either. Like, no one, no, you don't find any reports of people saying, like, this is Sam Allardyce basic football. Like, they absolutely, and admittedly, because there were big financial differences there with the rest of the, the Austrian league, but they're like, they pissed the league. It was like, they were, they were a very good side. And it's like any, you, system, any win, system, isn't it? When you, with better players in it and when you're winning. Yeah, when you win games, no one. No one truthfully cares all that much. That's why I was surprised on the match ball. I was just yeah. expecting that kind of just gleeful with the result. Instead, it was going down like, oh, I can't put up with this next season. I was like, we'll be fine next season. It'll be, we'll we'll score these I think fun for, goals and we'll, we'll, we'll get the turnovers and we'll attack on the counter and it'll be good. Mm-hmm. It'll well, be fine. Michael, you said, was it you said that it's not sustainable? And do you want to sort of explain what you meant by that? Did you mean like the football? Or did you mean like the, the sort of harem scarum? conceding possession, putting us through the ringer emotionally. I suppose it, I just mean, yeah, if we if we give away possession against good teams, which Watford are definitely not, they will punish us more. And it feels like there needs to be more of a plan for attacking. It's, it, it seems a bit, everything's a little bit chaotic at the moment. And the winds have, the winds have been, have all had a, an element of that about them. This was the most straightforward because we, we got a lead and Watford are terrible. I mean, the, the Norwich game should have been straightforward, truthfully. We had the chances to have been three up in that as well and, yeah. and absolutely coasting we just we made it difficult for ourselves at the end I suppose yeah it's not sustainable because I think sometimes they will take some that's like that's our chance on another day with a different player it does go in and then you're left you're kind of left in thinking of you're dropping points at a game mm-hmm. in a game you need to win and 
I don't know. I think a midfield of Cock and Click isn't sustainable. <laughs> no. Yeah. And we're not going to get better with those two in midfield. But Phillips and Brendan Aronson, Victor Orto is running up and down Watford High Street singing his name <laughs> mm. on Saturday afternoon. So that seems likely. But even. What, what, why was he doing that? Just for anybody who doesn't know, there's, there is footage doing the rounds on Twitter of him in the pub. I think it's before the game singing songs. I, admittedly, he didn't start them, but no. he was joining in with Gusto. So yeah, but it's I, I he's, saw he's, had him, a, uh, he's had a nice time. I saw him on the street, and it was um, on the video. Some fans are singing. They start singing one Brendan Aronson, and he starts which running up and down. Which doesn't scan, by the way, either. It's too many syllables. He but. starts running up and down and dancing and laughing. So, so he'll be coming. <laughs> but even if he doesn't, you know, there's a reason why Lewis Bate is in the uh, under twenty threes and we can sign somebody else. It's now time. The midfielder debate was always contingent on the fact that Bielsa didn't have anybody in the middle of the pitch. So it was fine. Phillips could do it all. Now we're putting two in there and we haven't got them. So it's mm. that's another reason why there is room to improve when we have better players in, in midfield. Match of the day talked about the midfield as well and they did make the valid point as well of just showing how much protection they now offer the defence. This is the, the, the two in there. And it was just showing, I, mean, I don't think they watched the full game based on their analysis <laughs> truthfully I get the feeling they've, they've kind of had that little bit cherry picked and been like just talk about this Yeah, but it is right like there's not that same I think that's partly where the anxiety comes from in watching us still because I still expect there to be big gaps everywhere and there normally aren't anymore like the star one was a one off where all of a sudden you see a player in a load of space but generally speaking we'll lose the ball going forward but because we're going forward with three or four men rather than eight when possession is turned over you've still got a full back four there and at least one midfielder there and it, even if they don't put a tackling straight away they're able to hold the, hold them up enough that the mid, the rest of the team can get back and it's it's just quite normal and Forshaw makes a big difference as well in terms of the players we currently have I think it was against Southampton I loved the way he was kind of just going to the ball and smashing a player mm. whenever it was loose whereas under Bielsa's system he would have to just go with the player he was going to mark whereas yeah we just have two waiting there and if you try running through, one or both of them is going to come and smash you and try to win the ball off you. Cock and Click aren't quite the strongest at that. And then certainly when they've got the ball and they've only got Dan James ahead of them, it's not really going to work with much. Um, we're just going to give the ball away, mm. basically. I, but I then, quite enjoy clicking there, though. I think he does. I think he does quite a good job of it. Mm. Given, I don't think it's ne- necessarily his natural position, but I think he does well. He's never let anybody down, though, no matter what the bobs say. Um, <laughs> but there's uh, there's. That's where there's room to improve is if we have, now that we didn't we, we need midfielders, we should sign Declan Rice and play him next to Phillips and have the two of them and that would be absolutely fine. But if we are putting an attacking midfielder, Click wants to be playing where um, Rodrigo or Greenwood are and then we've got a central defender who he can play in midfield for Germany. So it's a bit, you know, it's not unusual for both, for either of them. They're not going to be tipped up yeah. um, together. It's a suboptimal setup, but we will get there, yeah. hopefully with the recruitment and so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, just going through the comments, I mean, we, we haven't done loads of them in this episode, but they all kind of touching on the, exactly those themes. We've got a, a bunch of people who said we were too pessimistic, a bunch of people who agreed with us. Some people with mixed feelings just sort of agreeing that, you know, we kind of just got to suck it up right now until we get to the end of the season. Um, the style, bit of luck is mentioned by Roger that um, Marsh mm. seems to be getting the look that, that deserted St. Marcella. Although you make your own look in football, don't they? I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it is true. It did feel like... Like if you look at like, talking about that Rodrigo goal, for example. Mm, I sp- yeah, it, it did feel like we were unlucky under Bielsa this season. I feel like there were games that could have turned for... The two Newcastle games being the big ones, because we realistically we should probably have got six points out of that. James and and yeah. we got one instead. Six more points on the board, Bielsa probably doesn't get sacked, does he? And even the injuries. Mm. you know, Whether you blame his training for them or, yeah. or not, but it's still... Marsh is also benefiting from Liam Cooper coming back and um, that's why it's not to denigrate Marsh when you talk about how well the players are doing. It's to his credit, isn't it? Well, sort of, but also he's got Cooper and he's got Phillips and he's had a bit of Bamford that Bielsa didn't have the opportunity for and he's also had that moment I was talking about other players kind of, you know, drawing a line in the sand where we've seen them do that before with this group of players who I just have faith in them that they would do this kind of thing. Whoever, you know, there was a dog in the dugout. I think Cooper and Ailing would probably go, look lads, none of us want to be managed by a Labrador, but we want to stay in the Premier League. We've been here for, for years. We used to be managed by David Hockaday when we turned up. Let's fucking screw this down and sort it out. And it doesn't matter what barks are coming from the touchline. <laughs> we take charge of this and we do it. And whatever the dog is asking us to do, we just have to trust the dog and we will do it. And so... It's, it's asking for walkies. If it's Bielsa, if it's Marsh, it needs the players then. And it's like, you know... Scum have got 
Rangnick, he set the template at Salzburg and Leipzig and put this style of football in play. They're not doing it. They're not listening to a word he says. They're going out on the pitch going, we're not fucking doing that. You're an idiot. Whereas our players, because they're good people, are taking whoever is in the dugout and doing their best to do it. And I think whoever was there for the the deep breath moment, the line at the sand moment of like, we need to, after the relentlessness of the defeats they were enduring, to sort it out and and do it. And Marsh is a good fit for, for helping them do that. Whether Bielsa would have been a good fit as well or whether it had too far gone, we'll never know. But it's working now. So that none of this is to kind of denigrate Marsh. It's all to say, remember that we had the obsession, and I know we're guilty of it because we have Bielsa, but Bielsa is so exceptional, I guess. But the obsession of managers in football where games are previewed, like Sunday afternoon, and it's Dyche against Dean Smith. It's like, how, why are you selling this game on two, like, 50-year-old blokes? But just, it's so proper, isn't it? It's personifying everything. And putting, it, and also it's because they're the only people who talk. You, the only, you get the press conferences with managers before and after after every game, and you get half an hour during the week and all that. So everything is about them. And also because they're the only ones who are sackable. You know, Rafinha can be in whatever mood he, he wants to be about the manager, but no matter how bad he plays, you can't sack him because he's worth money. So you never, there's not really anything to talk about because those will stay, but will a manager get sacked? Will they stay? Will, will this happen to them? Will they not? Becomes the big debate. And I wonder how much of the City-Liverpool game, obviously Klopp and Guardiola are regarded as geniuses, but if De Bruyne isn't having a good game and if Salah isn't playing, those are the match. That's who, how you would sell a game. De Bruyne versus Mo Salah. That's great. Not just a couple of guys in suits or, you know, People who just too, a couple of guys in suits. Too old to too old Guardiola and Klopp. Too old to wear. But then, it, <laughs> I know, work, I know it works for some. But then you apply it across the division. So you go out in division yeah. three, and it's like Barry Fry versus Steve you know, Evans. Steve Evans. Yeah. It's like who cares? The play, it's the players who score the goals. It's the players who have to put into action the things that they're being told to do. And for the players, don't do it. Nothing happens. So, but yeah, these personality cults build up around managers, don't you? And like I said, become Bielsa being the ultimate, and yeah. us being the. Well, you know, so we're guilty. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, just um, on your phrase that you used in the match report on the website, Moscow, as uh, describing Jesse Marsh as a facilitator, Yorkie Dave saying that he liked that. And I think it's a really nice way to put it is that he's kind of, and maybe that's what a manager does, you know, like you say, maybe it's just to make them feel good. That they can go out and, and execute whatever plan. You have the different there. styles. And I think it's just trying to remember that Bielsa worked for so long that the things that he did as this kind of dictatorial presence who runs everything can work but then you do get a different style and it's kind of Marsh was saying himself and that's where a lot of this comes from is that he's he doesn't want his name sung and he doesn't want the credit for things even though he's you know he does every podcast interview going and he's, he <laughs> talks and talks and talks but then at the end of it he says well, actually I don't want any of this to be about me all he wants to do and the way he sees himself doing things is to listen to Rodrigo and say right well what do you need to play better what training sessions will work for you how can I um, help you be the best young man and then he goes and does it and then it's kind of but it's up to Rodrigo that's kind of putting the players in charge and there's a bit of a I think there's a, a trend in that sense it's quite an American sport seems like listening because they've given the players so much money and taught them so much and put so much on them that now there's this coaching idea of like well why don't we listen to them and just kind of help them because um, you end up with a position at Scum where I, I think Ronaldo is essentially unmanageable so the game becomes how do you manage those players to do the things that they feel like they should be doing is kind of where it's coming. And that Marsh is kind of in that zone of just, I have my sort of tactical setup and I have a way I want to play, but then how I achieve that, a lot of it will be dependent on yes, when do the players want to come to training and giving them that kind of empowerment and um, ability to do the things that they want. And it, it is, as a change, it's working. But it's like, you know, everything in football the last two years and I will sack him. Just a couple of things just to round, uh, wrap it up on, sorry. Chris is saying that the game was so shit and yet incredibly good at the same time, like make the mixed feelings around it. But in particular, wants to highlight the Renaissance painting of the limbs photo that's been doing the rounds, which was amazing, by the way. And, and made me want to be there. Like The more I thought about it, the more I thought, I really wish I'd been at that game to experience it through a different lens. But there you go. Scrooge describes it as, 
being like a family holiday with children. We went on holiday and that's the result, but it was long, stressful, and not particularly enjoyable and resulted in me lying to everybody saying that we had a good time. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to my holiday next week. <laughs> Enjoy yours, doing, Michael. I'll be doing just that. <laughs> There's more praise for Liam Cooper coming up as well, by the way, in case you think we've uh, we've kind of glossed over his his uh, renaissance that he's, he's having. Um, but yeah, he's, he's very, he's well nominated in the Heroes and Villains. And we should say as well, we've not mentioned um, Kuchka yet. Uh, who was falling around the place quite a lot. Let's talk about him in Heroes and Villains, shall we? Yes. Over on the um, on the weekly show when we do that, because he does need a particular mention um, because he looked like he had roller skates on on Saturday. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is where we find out what's been said by the Watford fans as well. How are they? Are they happy? Are they not a happy lot, are they? They're not happy. They're not. They're I mean, not did you read some of their forums, by the way? The um, the forum that's doing the rounds, it's been linked to yes. a wacko. They're not happy. No, that was before the game, wasn't yeah. it? That weren't happy with Leeds for many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, good. We're not here to be liked, are we? No, we're not. Napoleon did not touch their goalkeeper. <laughs> Never happened. Still banging on about that, weren't they, pretty much? As well. It was a tongue-in-cheek kind of... Absolutely, you know, in the same way that we poked fun at Brentford earlier in the season, they completely missed the point of it all. Yeah, um, it was an attempt to do a similar sort of thing about everything that's bad about Leeds, but it was just dead funny to read. I, have, I mean, I have great fond memories about us denying them promotion that season. It was great, and they they have the thing about oh, it let Huddersfield go up. Didn't care. Yeah, Leeds spoil your party, mm. and if somebody else is partying somewhere else, no, it's Hull that went up, not Huddersfield, wasn't it? If somebody else benefits. Don't matter as long as we we can be here and watch you cry. Holland Huddersfield is, and ba- is basically the same place. And you know your goal, the goalkeeper was fine. He had a night in hospital, and it was his own defender cleared him out. Holland mm. was just there, just nudged him, just a tiny nudge. He's barely. And the fact him. the fact they had a completely incompetent reserve keeper that wasn't our fault, was it? Nope. I could have probably saved that McCormack chip if I'd been a foot taller. If I'd been as tall as that goalkeeper, I'd have saved it anyway. <laughs> he's still playing anyway. That keeper I looked him up the other day for some reason. He's mm. um. Who's he with? He's doing fine. I can't remember. He's had an all right career. He's gone did, around on loan. Did he recover um, from that trauma? He did. Good. He's, I'm pleased so, for him. So all's well that ends well. And also, in fact, that was the year they had that ridiculous playoff win as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So we gave him that moment, which yeah, was exactly. nice. Yeah, from, the whole, uh, was that the Leicester one? Was it? Yeah, Leicester? when yeah. Leicester won a penalty, missed it, and Watford went up the other end and Deeney scored, which is amazing. Like It's the only good thing that's ever happened to Watford. So, <laughs> and I enjoy it as well. So it's not even theirs. It's fo- That moment belongs to football. And that moment created... Do not scratch your eyes, is which, is, right? which is the commentary from that game. And that's that's who we're going to hear this first. It's good advice in general, isn't it? Yes. I think, as, a, yeah. as, a, as a long-term contact lens wearer, there's some risk involved in this, but don't scratch your eyes. If, you know, any kids listening, but stay they, in school, don't do drugs, don't scratch your eyes. A huge amount of the podcast seems to be about some inter-fan beef that's going on. I think basically the, the club have invited a load of groups in for a meeting, not told anyone that it's happened not done it democratically, they've just kind of gone, all right, well, who's got podcasts and blogs and right. stuff? They've invited them all in and then they've announced them as being a new sup- new supporter committee on the website and gone, all of these people are involved now and mm. everyone's everyone's kicked off and been like, well, 
the clubs run by a set of dickheads. So why haven't you told them? Feels a bit GFH-y. It, it was very, yeah. It was like, it's a, a botched attempt at fan involvement because they've done it in a, they've basically elected people. And I think there's a feeling that they've only elected people who they would want to listen to. And some mm. of the more critical people have not been invited. And Do you also get a say in how Udinese is run. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That's, that's I don't think they're, they're much like that either. Do they? Udinese don't like them either. That's essentially the the way the main thing that controls how Watford is, is run, isn't it? Is mm. how how Udinese needs to be run. So if Watford has some good players, they can go there, but they don't. So <laughs> I don't think I don't think Udinese would probably be uh, be particularly wanting any of this lot. Anyway, so let's so. hear from them. Do not scratch your eyes, podcast. And this is uh, the summary of the game. <laughs> So bad. They should be ashamed. They should be ashamed. So bad. Look at it. Everyone's fucking so bad. So bad. It's terrible. I can't even be bothered to be angry about it. So bad. So bad. <laughs> it was like um, you know, on the old uh, and the old-fashioned record players when the record got to the end and got the, the, called the return groove, isn't it? Mm. Where it just goes round and round and round and round. It says the same thing over so and over bad. again. So bad. Worship Satan. So bad. Worship Satan. <laughs> you play it backwards. Next, Zanzo. Who's Zanzo? Zanzo, he's a young lad. Is he a character from Grange Hill? And, uh, yes, don't do drugs. Was it Zamo? Yeah. Zamo, wasn't it? Did the, Zamo. Got involved yeah. in the drugs. Yeah, this this lad, bless him. I don't know how old he is. He looks about, he's probably about 16. Do you think he's going to come to a Zamo-esque end? He, well, I think he's been driven to it. Um, but he's inside the stadium as well. So this is first one is uh, is after we got one up, and there's, there's a nice bit of lead singing on his clips as well. So it's kind of it's in for that. So one thing about Samo, he got a good song out of it. <laughs> Just say no, kids. Oh no! Oh no! You you cannot be doing anything stupid with the ball like that in a game like this. What are you doing in a game like that? In a game like this? So stupid. Such a stupid get the goal to give away. 21 minutes in, it's 1-0. I had a vision of like, you know, like in, in the old-fashioned circus tropes, like there'd be a, a seal with a ball on the nose. I just had a vision of somebody doing that when he's saying, you can't do that with a ball. Can't do that with a ball. Um, next one. Sums up this game. Kucho cut inside and skied it. 32 minutes in, still 1 0. Been terrible. Leeds are on a bad side, but it's been awful. Leeds are singing football in a library. And I'm sorry, but this, this performance doesn't deserve an atmosphere. It's been awful. I mean, I love that. It's great how, what a set of dickheads we have. <laughs> Do you know, it's the only time where I've thought, ah, you know, fair enough, this is how you really rub it in, salt into the wound, is when uh, Villa was singing about signing Calvin Phillips earlier in the season when they were absolutely mm. mullering us and there's no comeback to it. And I think that's fair enough. That's what being a football fan is about. But I love it when we do it. You've got to just take it sometimes, yeah, haven't you? You do. Take your medicine, yeah. <laughs> this uh, this next clip is, is 2-0, which if you remember in the order of goals, this is the real the real comedy <laughs> defending. And you can't do that. You can't do that with it. a ball, Michael. It's brilliant. to get out of the club. Scott Dutchby needs to get out of the club. Half of these places need to get out of the club. What is this? They look like they're having a party. <laughs> oh, bless his, his little miserable voice. Oh, I mean, the, the third one, I've not got the third goal on it because it's, it's mainly visual, but He's, he basically stands up and walks off while still filming himself as the third goal goes in. <laughs> Poor lad. It's uh, kind of reminded me, there used to be a feature in When Saturday Comes magazine called, they shortened it, or just a trope of the bloke behind me and how at football you'd have a bloke behind you who'd just say mm. stupid stuff all game. And they're kind of reminded off his first clip of just like, now they've 
and now they film it and put it on YouTube. It used to be, you do used to, people used to listen to people saying this kind of stuff. We go, hey, he's a guy in a club. And you'd be like, oh God, I wish you'd shut up. Now they're all saying it in the phones constantly and <laughs> streaming it. Like there's absolutely no escape from the bloke behind you at the football. We wouldn't have a uh, show without it. Don't criticize him. <sighs> all right, you can keep it up. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. It's just an interesting, it's, this is trend analysis that I'm doing here. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Uh, right, so let's hear the summary then. That was <laughs> awful. And if we're going to play like that, then we're going to get relegated. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't say Leeds are in danger of relegation. Definitely after today, they've definitely survived. Um, but they're a team that we are capable of beating. They were 16th at the start of the game. Um, at home, you know, in this relegation scrap last games of the season... We need to win these. Everton won the 12.30 kickoff. We needed to win this. And I think that, that game has pretty much relegated us. we still got Brentford and Burnley at home, but I think we're finished. I think we are done. Would you agree? They are done. They are. Would but you agree fine. that we're definitely staying up? We're nearly, we're nearly there. We are. We're very nearly there. In fact, we? in the in the comments, we should have mentioned that um, you were picked out as being almost optimistic in your analysis um, mm. on the match ball, Michael. So I don't know what all those people saying we were negative Nancy's were on about because you actually, as good as, not quite, but nearly went all the way to saying that we're, we're going to stay up. Yeah, I, I also said that Burnley would definitely beat Norwich. Mm-hmm. Do you remember who didn't? Good call. Do you remember who said that Norwich would beat them? I'll give you a clue, it was uh, me. Was it you, right? It was. Fine. Do you remember... Uh, not bothered. No? Not bothered. Okay. You're going you're gonna to say you predicted a 3-0 win as well, don't you? Which is true. So thank you for reminding me. For anybody who didn't hear that, etc. Right, let's get on to the next one. Um, Megamix. You've put together a Megamix. Now, I just want to know, before you... Tell me about this Mega Mix. What is your favourite Mega Mix? Is it, I've just written down three on my piece of paper here. Grease Mega Mix, obviously very, very famous mm. when you're out on a Hendu or whatever. I've been on many. Um, there's a five Mega Mix. Is there? There is a five Mega Mix, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And there's obviously like a Dirty Dancing Mega Mix. Anything, you know, you've got a number of hits you can put together into a Mega Mix. Do it. Give it a whirl. The Grease Mega Mix would be the only one I think I'm properly familiar with. There's, the, there's obviously the Abba medley as well, which counts as a mega mix, I think, almost. Mm. The, I remember it being at a... Stars on 45 mega mix, you'd like that, Moscow? I was going to put forward Jive Bunny and the Master Mixes. Of course. Obviously, they're the Master Mixes, so I don't know who else you would turn to for a mega mix. Yep. Anyway. But I've not been able to verify this, but my my wife's grandma is from Asken and maintains that they were from Asken with Jive, Jive Bunny. They don't, there doesn't seem to be any information about this. Jive Bunny turned into um, Tidy Tracks, didn't it? You know, like the Hard House people. I think it was them. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so it was the same engineers or remixes. It was like yeah. it was like local legend. It's like no, they are from here, but there seems to be no facts. So if you if you know if you know of the whereabouts of them, the only uh, um, well, they're from Rotherham, according to Wikipedia. Lies, apparently. Very <laughs> the, much from Askin, uh, which is a, a little place outside of Doncaster. There are um, past members named, but none of them on Wikipedia have geographical. But it's um, quite a, quite a leap from uh, mega mixing hits of the sixties into mm. uh, into hard house, but. Let's go with it. Anyway, I was just going to say this. All this long run-up is about Josh WFC and his mega mix that you've put together. So, what, what's in store here, Michael? Well, is it- he's in the he's in the stadium. He's doing the same same sort of thing. And he's again, blokes behind. You can hear them shouting. It's just quite nice to hear some people <laughs> upset for a minute and a half. Shit clearance! Shit clearance! I am sick of saying this every time I come to a game. We can see we keep on shooting ourselves in the feet. What the fuck was that clearance? Fucking joke. Oh, come on! What are you doing? That is absolute fucking joke. Fucking joke. 
It's disgraceful. This is actually disgraceful. Just, this is this is the first time a relegation line was smashed up 3-0. This is disgraceful. Every player should be fucking embarrassed. <laughs> Uh, Absolutely dreadful. As usual, we fucking bottle it at home. It just occurred to me that all these these um, y- these young men who film themselves inside the stadiums doing this and give us a show, it holds like a mirror up to how ridiculous we all are when it comes to football, doesn't it? The, the stupid things you think, the stupid things you say inside a stadium. That's why we've never done a watch along and probably won't mm-hmm. ever do one because I'd say some bad things and make myself look like a fuck, <laughs> more of a fool. We well, wouldn't be here. You'd have, no. Yeah, you'd have to do it live from the toilet, which would be um, <laughs> awkward for everyone. I'm on the throne. We're not, uh, we're not that kind of a, I, I a can't, show. I can't cope with watching Leeds away at Watford. Uh, the nihilism. Richard Keyes might tune in. I um, enjoyed the just the, the general nihilism in in that whole uh, mega mix. Is great. He just wants to tear it all down, demolish the stands, pound all the the concrete into ashes. <laughs> I remember, start I like, again. I like the bit at the start as well about people say about shooting yourself in the foot. He said feet. Yeah, that's how bad. That's how bad they are. Not did, just one. Did it once, went for the other one. Just done the shotgun them both. Got the pair. Yeah. Bless him. Got a brace. Excellent. The, uh, the links between Jive Bunny and the Master Mixes and Tidy Tracks are legitimate, incidentally. Thank Confirmed. You. It's uh, Andy Pickles from Rotherham. The um, Swing the Mood Mix was originally done by Les Hemstock, who was part of it as well, from Doncaster. So it's a, it's a full mm. South Yorkshire outfit great bunch of lads yeah yeah excellent um, next one Taylor made army a bit of actual talking about the match in this one I know we just had a, a bit of anguish which has been nice but <laughs> he, he just he just talk, touched briefly on the on why we won if you look at the way Leeds played us at our game what they did they hustled and bustled and they were far more physical than we were they wanted they it even, much more than they, they needed what makes it even worse is that they didn't even play that well themselves no, they didn't. They, they didn't just, have to. They, they just want. They just wanted it more. Yeah, they they didn't have to raise above a certain level to beat us. That's what's heartbreaking. The fact that they didn't have to go to their best to beat us. And when you consider where they are on the table, yeah, they've got good players, right? But we made them look better. And maybe they're that. That's where you see what we're doing well at the minute. What just staying in games, yeah, being physical and then letting good players win it. Yeah, works on it. It's fair enough. Well, after that rational analysis, let's hear someone else from TaylorMade Army <laughs> talking about Ben Foster. As for the no. mistakes, if Backman had made those mistakes, we'd be ripping a shit out of him. But it's Foster. But because it's Foster, why should he be exempt from any criticism? Stick to he should stick to fucking cycling. He's a fucking useless lump of shit. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my granddad's left testicle would do better than that. And do you know what? He's fucking six foot under. <laughs> He's dead. He would do better than that. Uh, could, could I hear a clock ticking in the background? No, <laughs> Probably. He was taking a long... I mean, you might not be able to tell when we put this out because there were some of the pauses in that were almost agonising. He <laughs> When he's talking about his granddad, it reminded me of being in <laughs> my grandparents' house. Awake. And hearing that... Tuck. Well, Watford lost again. Tuck. That bloody goalkeeper thinks he's a, thinks he's summit. It's a useless lump of shit. <laughs> his granddad's left testicle, incidentally, was was a good player when he was alive. Yeah. It's only since he's died that he's he's really dropped off. Um, uh, great stuff. Well, enjoyed that. They're not happy. They're going down. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Last won't be hearing from him again for a season or so, no. will we? No, probably. Well, unless we can somehow contrive to go down. Tune into some Udinese chat. Mm. Okay, onto the wider world of propaganda stuff from outside the uh, the four walls of Leeds United. Well, Man United lost, yeah. which was annoying. It, it was annoying, but it did lead to some fairly funny stuff. The more rational, kind of normal fan channels now, the you, the Webby and O'Neill and Stratford Paddock type people, they're not being too dramatic about this. They're just kind of going, "Fuck's sake!" Yeah, like why. Why is this? Why is this? How how has this group of players become so incredibly shit? Some of the less rational stuff is now funny to listen to people moaning about how the players are paid too much and they've spent too much money, having spent ages saying what they need to do is buy some players and spend a fortune on them. Now they've done it and they're not good. They're like, well, we've spent that money wrong. I know we all really liked Ronaldo when we signed him, but it might be a waste of money now. There's a, there's another protest gearing up, isn't it? Another green and gold until they're sold. They're like. 
Just and, and you could almost set your clock by it. Have you seen that that graphic of the break glass in emergency and behind it is the green and gold scar? And it's whenever they lose a game. The, the entitlement that underpins it is just it's amazing to watch, isn't it? Because you're not as good as you were when your best ever manager was around. Are they doing a crowdfunder for that lad's phone? <laughs> Anybody thought of that? Or is it all about just... And there's obviously, the, there's the joke about him being invited to, uh, to Old Trafford as a make good from Ronaldo smashing his phone. Hasn't he suffered enough? And mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah, and it doesn't want to go. No, just buy me a new phone. Yeah, but I think. I think <laughs> did you see there were, there were claims of? I mean, I, I don't know because it might end up in court. But um, claims of, of bruising. He's bruised, and that maybe that there might be action taken. I mean, let's be honest. It'd be brilliant to happen to you oh. if you're if you're a kid. If Ronaldo smashed a phone out your hand, you'd be like, "Yes, get, get a new in. phone." <laughs> and just to be involved in the story, brilliant. He's a real. I mean, he gets some. Um, he to jump ahead, he does get some villain nominations, but. Big surprise to learn that Cristiano Ronaldo's a complete cock, isn't it? Mm. He seemed, always seemed like such a good guy otherwise. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a, bit, a bit of a shock for the Man United fans. And I think Moscow hit upon it when you said he's unmanageable in the first half of the show. He is completely, isn't he? And it's hilarious because everyone knew it. He, uh, he nearly took Darren Fletcher's head off with a, a football. He booted the ball into the dugouts at one point in frustration. And the, their um, sporting director, ex-player, had to duck. Otherwise, he'd have taken it full in the face. So it would be another... Violent outbursts. I would. That would be great if the sporting director started suing him as well for criminal damage to his head. Mm, someone just needs to tell him no, don't they? Um, Alice talks football. We've tried. Alice talks football. Are we getting into the Manchester United? This is Manchester United stuff. I don't even know how to introduce this clip, so let's just, just have a listen. Okay. Because you know what, this club is run like a circus from top to bottom. We know this club is run like a circus from top to bottom, and I actually said. In my video yesterday, it's disrespectful comparing Manchester United to a circus. It's not fair on the circus to be compared to United when the circus is at least fucking organised. If these players have the so-called United DNA, then United DNA must mean you're lazy, you're whiny, you're complaining. It's never your fault. It's entitled because that's what the United DNA is at this club at the moment. The most, ever thus, the most <laughs> expensive football squad ever assembled. Yes, yes, whiny and entitled is. Um... He's a fair description. Yeah, of it. got it. <laughs> got it. Got it down to a T, yeah. Finally, you've, you've realised. <laughs> and I like the idea of, it reminded me of saying, at least the circus is fucking organised. It reminded me of the Warnock. Go out and have fun at the circus, but have, have fun by being fucking disciplined. <laughs> got to, you've got to really, you've got to fucking die for that trapeze. Oh. <laughs> Ringmaster Ragnick and so on and so forth. Can you imagine oh, Luke dear. Arnie on a trapeze? It wouldn't end well, would it? Right, uh, that was good fun. I, I enjoy this every week. Just hmm. the, the entitlement, yeah, it's it's great. And I know we get accused of being entitled as a fan base, but they're on a, a different I mean, planet, like, aren't they? They're like seventh. They're all talking about this is absolutely rock bottom. It's like, well, I mean, you'll probably put Ten Hag in next year. You'll probably end up top four. Exactly. You, you finish. You finish in seventh. You don't want to. You don't even want to finish fifth or sixth because or seventh because hmm. you don't want to be in one of the lesser European competitions. So you fucking moan about that as well if you were in that. So just accept that you've got a load of money still to spend. You've still got a good squad. You'll get a proper manager in. It'll probably be fine. That's the great news, though. It's there is talk that Ten Hag might just not bother. I think um, one Le- of, is it Leipzig? Who yeah, yeah, one of the fizzy clubs are going to make him an offer. And really, why would you go there? And players as well. Who would want to sign for them under this situation? And you know, Pochettino, if he leaves Paris Saint Germain, he's like their 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 other hope. But they've done that thing now of going so far with Ten Hag that Pochettino might look at them and go like, "Well, you didn't want me." You wanted him, so I'm not bothered. So who is actually going to take over as their manager? Who is actually going to sign for them? Who is going to buy any of their players? Who's going to take Cristiano Ronaldo off them at £700,000 a week? It's beginning to spiral Mm. into that kind of, dare I say, Everton situation. Do they get Lampard in next season if he leaves Everton? Is that kind of the level? Wayne Rooney has been making those noises all along, Mm. hasn't he? Like, oh, you know, I'd love love the scum job. His exact words, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he's, I mean he, he'll surely not be at Derby next season because there may not be a Derby next season mm-hmm. so do they just go that well he knows the club doesn't he he knows and the club so you have Wayne Rooney as manager you have Darren Fletcher as the sporting director and it all just starts to look really great imagine Giggsy Giggsy fit in somewhere well I mean imagine um, it could be the family liaison officer Giggsy and, Giggs and Ronaldo imagine Wayne Rooney trying to manage Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> You know, they're, they're basically the same age, aren't they? Mm. Is Ronaldo older? I think he might be, yeah. And look at them. Physically different specimens. <laughs> side by side. And imagine Wayne Rooney saying, you know, Cristiano, <laughs> you really need to work harder in training. 
It's just, uh, it's too delicious. Uh, I don't think just having a lot of money is going to be enough for them anymore. There are limits to um, to what your money can buy you when you are um, that bad. Have you noticed Tyler Roberts um, kind of lightly making fun of the Leeds players getting in shape for summer? Yes. <laughs> I've quite enjoyed that on, they keep, uh, on Instagram. They're in the weights room, aren't they? And he, he keeps posting. You can tell summer's coming up. They're all trying to. They're all. Um, they've all got the shirts off and they're all doing weights. And he's just going <laughs> around, running around, mocking them all. It's brilliant. Right, come on. The next one. The Mighty Blues. Which blue club is this? This is Everton. Post, <sighs> post Burnley. Obviously, I don't listen to anything post scum because I don't want to hear them happy. I wanted yeah. to hear the misery. So here are <laughs> the Mighty Blues. John Joe Kenny should never play for Everton Football Club again. Ben Goffrey's absolutely shite. Vitaly Mikhalenko isn't good enough. Mason Holgate is wank. Jared Branthwaite, I'll let him slip, but he, he's obviously not ready to be a Premier League player. Michael Keane is a disgrace. Yeri Mean has made a glass. We know the defence are absolutely abysmal. We know they're awful. We know the midfield isn't strong enough. We know we haven't got enough players in there and the players that we have have got in there aren't particularly good themselves. But Tonight really showed me that this entire team is absolutely garbage, by the way. Absolutely garbage. So as bad as the defence are, and as dreadful as the defence are, and we know they are, they're awful. This, that's not a championship defence, by the way. That defence will take us down next season as well. Even if we go down this season, that defence will drag us into League One because they're all of them are fucking woeful. Absolutely woeful. They're so incompetent. They're so bad at football that it fucking hates. Let's be honest, John Joe Kenny should never kick a football for this football club again. Never, ever, ever kick a football for this football club again. He is absolutely awful. He's the worst player I've ever seen in an Everton shirt. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how many people are going to throw this player or that player. He is the worst player I have ever seen in an Everton shirt. Absolutely the worst by a country mile. Burnley a fucking dreadful they're the worst team in the league. They hadn't scored in five games and they've just put three past us. And how easy did we make it? One set piece, by the way, whoever our set piece coach is, don't let them back a Finch Farm ever again because they're fucking woeful. And it isn't the fault of Frank Lampard, it's the fault of this dickhead <laughs> clown of a board. Yeah, never Frank's fault, is it? And I know you've you've kind of glued some clips together there and shortened sequences mm. or whatever, but I really enjoyed his machine gun style. Like, <laughs> I counted and it took him 24 seconds to breathe properly in that first section of that clip. I must admit, when I um, I did think, because sometimes I listen to these things, at, um, if it's a long clip, I listen to it at double speed on YouTube, and a bit of me thought, I record, have I recorded this while it's on one and a half speed? But no, it's just, uh, it's just very scary. I have to say, just um, a peek behind the curtain, I do edit these shows at one and a half speed, and it's a lot more fun than hearing it in real time, <laughs> let me tell you. Isn't John Joe Kenny all right? Uh, no. Is he not <laughs> the, the worst player? player ever to pull on the blue shirt? No, there's another clip which I've I've not put in. Um, I can't remember which Everton fan channel it was, but someone was saying that he should basically immediately get a job on a building site <laughs> and give up football. I think he was all right against us. Yeah. But I think that was an absolute one-off. Yeah, Every, could absolute, never, everybody, could never do that again. Everybody hates him. Right. It's funny, it just dawned on this guy as well. <laughs> Our team's terrible. Just realised, that's really brought it home. Did you not notice all season? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we once I mean, thought we once thought our team were terrible. Then we got a good manager, and then they they look quite good last season as well. They had Carlo Ancelotti, and mm-hmm. he couldn't really get them playing very well. Then they had um, what's his face, James Rodriguez, and it, they were still pretty poor. Yeah, they weren't getting relegated though, were they? No, that's true. Maybe that's uh, yeah, face to face with what's coming. It's the board's fault anyway. 18th, no mention of Lampard though. There was just at the very end. You got the it's not it's not Frank's fault. It's this shit shower of a board or whatever. I mean, I think it is a mess there. Mm. No, the the club is badly run, and you know the, they have spent an absolute fortune on a load of shit players. But yeah, you know, if you're saying about the set pieces, that that's Lampard, isn't it? Isn't that the manager's job to organise I mean, that sort of stuff? Saying that they have a set piece coach is a big assumption. Like, not every club has a set piece coach. I don't know whether Everton do or don't. We don't. Johnny mm. Vio, come back. Lampard will have once we can blame. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to have human shields because I will not I will not take blame for anything ever. <laughs> Right, last clip then, 1878 Blues. Just some really good swearing in oh, this. Oh, good. We are fucking down. That's it. I'm sorry, that's it. We're fucked. We are absolutely fucked. We are so fucking <laughs> shit. It's unbelievable. I'm. We're fucked. That's it. That, I, I never thought I'll see our club go down. I never thought I'll see the day. I never thought I'd see the day. We are actually fucked. Like, that's it. That is it. We are done. We are absolutely fucking shit in every department at this club. 
Every fucking department at this club, we are shit. Our goals are just fucking penalties. We couldn't score from open play because we're shit going forward. We got two penalties tonight and we still couldn't win the game. We are actually fucking embarrassing. Barely a shite. Absolutely shite. But they've got more desire, which is shite. Absolutely shite. And we deserve to go down. Big fan of swearing in Scouse. Excellent. Shite. Barely a shite. Everton are shite. They are shite. I mean, every, they, in every department, let me tell you, Michael, and that includes the manager. They, I mean, they don't look like scoring. I know they did score against Scum, but it was a massively deflected shot. Good old Harry Maguire. <laughs> you can you can always rely on him, <laughs> can't you? But, I mean, Calvert-Lewin was getting some stick in some of the clips as well, saying, if you, if you want to be a model, just go and be a model. Just fuck off. You're not a, you're not a footballer. And he, and he, he has been shite in that Burnley game. It was awful. Like, you cannot believe he plays for England based on that. But, mm. yeah, I must admit, I saw those pictures and I thought, Good. That'll, <laughs> that'll, really upset, that'll really upset people. Uh, and, and, it has, it, and it did. And yeah. It has, yeah. yeah, it's not... I, if, you, you know, if you're having a good season, you can probably get away with that, but it doesn't play well, does it? I don't think. And, no. And good. No, yeah, yeah excellent. Well, well, we'll get more into, actually, the relegation battle. We'll kick off the weekly show, which we're going to record next. That'll be out on uh, Wednesday with Relegation Watch. We'll might, decide who's going down. Might have to scrap that section soon. You think? Maybe. Listen to him. You're very confident about <laughs> Palace, Chelsea, Manchester City coming up, aren't you? Yeah, some tough games. <laughs> Arsenal in there too. It's, it's well, Brighton you know. have used up one of their wins now, haven't they? They've only got one left. Yep, and this... you know, you know when they'll use that. <laughs> well, hopefully, they'll, hopefully they'll forget and they'll they'll use it up before they, they get they find us. <laughs> well, that does wrap up um, propaganda for this week. We will go away and do the uh, the weekly show now and uh, have a look at relegation. Watch no game to preview either this time. Uh, welcome relief. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed all the breaks this season. <laughs> but we will pick some heroes and villains from uh, some of the nominations that have come in and some of the talking points from this propaganda show. So we'll see you over on that. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you over there. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.